is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. I am your fourth choice host with the most, um, Nick, joined by Abdullah and Jesse yet again to break down Chelsea's first match back at King's Meadow of the FAWSL season. A 4-0 win against Everton back on track. Uh, look, there's a lot that we're going to go through today, a lot of stats, a lot of uh, insight, but the three main things that we want to discuss are going to be the dominant Chelsea performance that we saw uh, earlier this morning. It was certainly a, a return to normalcy if you watched it all the last couple of years. Uh, the delightful return of Kirby, um, they, they both contributed in a big way. And then we're going to ask some really thoughtful questions. Look, I mean, we know that last week's uh, results against Arsenal was not typical of this team. So we want to understand a little bit more about the tactical uh, changes that Emma Hayes made ahead of this match and how she might um, move forward with this team because it's it's really uh, going to be a competitive league this season. So all that being said, uh, we always start off, always and forever, with a three-word match review. We got a handful of doozies this morning. There are a lot of people in the States, uh, in our Discord, who are up with me at 6.30 in the morning watching this game, you know, because we care. And uh, look, there were a handful here. I'm going to pass it over to Abdullah to read a couple of the the better ones out here. Uh, Abdullah, please take the floor on the three-word three match review. All right. So, well, you know, there's, there's a few good ones, but I think I'd pick out um, Everton of Trouble. I think that was that was quite Everton <laughs> of trouble is trouble great. yeah it's a it's quite a handful there uh, the Cuthbert Gambit I quite liked um, you know and then uh, this one was a, a personal favorite regularly scheduled programming I feel like that's apt for uh, for what we're about to discuss for the next hour or so absolutely uh, amongst the others Techie Tiger with Sam Kerr double uh, that's easy pickings my friend you know that. Uh, and then welcome back, Kings Meadow. I think we all are a, a massive fan of their, their actual supporters in the stands uh, from Ghana Gazina. Uh, we have, let's see what else, just a couple of other ones here. Uh, SP Beal, old homie from the other shows, uh, Wounded Lion Strikes. I like that a lot. Um, and then, look, I, I think we got to get into ours, guys, because, you know, we, we can't leave the people uh, wanting more. Uh, Abdullah, what's yours? I think for me, it's all systems go. I mean, everything just looked um, looked looked pretty much on point today. I mean, there were a couple of moments which we'll get into, but otherwise, I think it just it just felt like you know the season has truly started now, and you know all systems are go. For me, I went with Hayes's revenge train. You know, sometimes I feel like Emma Hayes needs a vendetta or to be angry about something to like really hit peak Chelsea, peak Hayes. You know, that's what happened with Arsenal last week, and now now we're rolling out the station, you know? You you kind of predicted that, too, to be fair. You, you thought this might this might be a... It's uh, classic, Emma. It might be a revenge game, if, if you were. So uh, I went very much in, in a similar vein uh, on from, from Tana, and I said normal service resumed. I mean, this felt comprehensive. It felt easy for a lot of the game, and it was just dominant and this is supposed to be a team that we've you know we've talked about if you've listened that could be fourth or fifth or maybe push for a top three this year depending on on who the the talent is that Everton uh, gets to show up on a week-to-week basis so the fact that it was so comprehensive just felt uh, like a little bit of normalcy which was nice um, especially after last week so 
Let's get into the details of the match. Obviously, we played Everton. It was on Saturday, September 12th in the Women's Super League. Location, Kings Meadow. Thank God we're back. Uh, I think that was great to see the fans out. Uh, would have liked to see it packed a little bit more to the rafters, but we'll work on that in, in future weeks. Scoreline, Chelsea 4, Everton 0. Dominant performance with goals from Kirby, uh, two from Sam Kerr, one of those being an absolute gift. And then Beth England with a goal that I'm not sure she knew a whole lot about, but we'll take <laughs> it anyway. Uh, let's pass it over to Jesse. Let's let's go through the lineup and potentially a couple of tweaks and changes from last week. Yeah, so, you know, we stuck with what we know in goal and Katrin Berger, classic. Um, mm -hmm. And we kept the same back three. Millie Bright, Jess Carter, and Magda Eriksson, but with a with a little change there. You know, last week we saw Jess Carter playing as the right side to the centre back and Millie in the middle. We swapped those around today. Um and also uh, a new a new face at right wing back. Uh Aaron Cuthbert came in, uh taking taking Neve Charles's place there. But um we kept Guru Wrighton on the left. And then another change in midfield, we swapped Ingle out uh Leupold's out for Sophie Ingle, um, but she stayed paired with Ji So Yun. And then it was the real return of our, our classic front three up top. Um, we had Frank Howby, Sam Kerr, and Penila Harder. Substitutes, uh, Musevic, Nuvin, Leupold, England, Fleming, Charles, Spence, Anderson, and Fox, with appearances from Anderson, Spence, Fleming, England, and Nuvin. So lots to go on there. Uh, the five subs rule is great. We're going to get to see some of the depth really uh, shine through uh, this season, which is awesome. Uh, Abdullah, let's look at the stats from this game because I, I do think that it shows a little bit of the of the story and the dominance that that took place. Yeah, I mean it was crazy. I mean Chelsea had twenty seven shots and uh, compared to Everton's five, though they only had six on target, which I think is both clinical and not clinical in the sense that. They had six shots on target and they scored four goals from them, but then they had 27 shots, which means that they probably could have been a little bit more accurate. But anyway, we'll, we'll get onto that. 57% possession, 528 passes, 83% pass accuracy, six fouls, one yellow card, two offsides, and about six corners compared to Everton's one corner. And I mean, Everton just, I don't know. I mean, like that was, uh, it, was it was a crazy performance. I mean, XG was all telling where... Chelsea had an XG of 2.39, so they, they, they smashed that, you know, in terms of the actual goal scored. And Everton just had an XG of 0.2. I don't remember the last time I've seen a team register such a low expected goals. I mean, that's just that's just unfathomable. And for a team like this, it's it's uh, it's insane. And um, kind of just to round it off, you know, Chelsea have scored at least one in each of their last 53 WSL matches, netting 163 goals across the, you know, across this run. And this is now 23 games longer than the previous record run, 30 consecutive games by Arsenal ending in October 2020. So, I mean, that's an, that's an insane record of, of, of number of goals, you know, uh, in, in, you know, in consecutive games. It's crazy. We, we've been telling you guys on this show for a long time, if you want to be entertained by a Chelsea football team, this is a team that is guaranteed to give you entertainment week in and week out. Uh, the men's team is looking good right now, don't get me wrong, but they have not always uh, provided such entertainment as, as the women's team do. Uh, look, Jesse, they were just 
absolutely on fire today. The stats kind of prove out the story. We'll get into some of the specifics here in a second, but just give me your overview. What stands out from those stats to you? Yeah, I mean, I think probably what stands out is those 27 shots with only six on target. I think for all that Chelsea looked great today, there was a lot of evidence that there were still some cobwebs to be blown off uh, by some of the some of the attacking players today. But yeah, you know, Everton gave them a, a hefty helping hand, um, but Chelsea never really looked phased at all. And, you know, it's it's just great to see. You know, we, we're used to this team feeling feeling confident, you know. We, we, we expect that, that stat about scoring in 53 consecutive games is just bonkers because you do go into every game knowing that the opposition are going to have to score at least two to beat you, which is an amazing position to be in. But, um, you know, Everton have been pitched as one of the better teams. I know they got thrashed last week at Man City, but, you know, it was as much an opportunity for them to kind of show what, what they were made as, as it was for us today. And it's just great that we looked so, so assured. Absolutely. And I think the, you know, before we get into our first ad break and, and kind of get into all the specifics, the one thing that we did want to cover off on, and I think it, it it's just the best part of football right now for me, is just seeing fans back in the stands. Um, the first, uh, you know, real crowd for a competitive match at Kings Meadow, about twenty five hundred. I want to, you know, again, I would love to see that closer to the, the max four thousand. But uh, it was so great, Abdullah, to to get you know the real support behind the team. It was, you know, I think Jesse mentioned in our season preview, it was eerie at times watching this amazing team play in front of silence last year, and and to hear the chance and the support and, you know, see all the families that were there and everything was just fantastic. No, absolutely. I agree hundred percent. I mean, it was, it's, it's a whole different ball game once you got fans inside. I mean, like, you know, you could feel the, you could feel the presence of the fans. You can feel like they were, you know, egging the team to, to go on. And I think, you know, I, I think an extra goal or two just came from the fact that there were fans present, you know, and usually when you're playing in an empty stadium, you know, if things are tense, you don't have that extra bit of push, you know, like I say, the 12th man, you know, and then that's what the crowd is, especially at home. So, I mean, 2,500 is a good start considering it's the first game back. And I think we should start seeing more and more people come in, but um, especially when we get into the Champions League uh, rounds, I think that'll be, you know, the place is going to go off the, off the hook. So I think it'll be amazing. Uh, it's it's interesting too, Jesse. I mean, obviously, uh, everyone's favorite power couple, uh, Magda and Perdilla were, you know, tweeting about the the atmosphere today. But I do think there are a lot of players in this team that respond to to crowd noise and to support. And I think Aaron Cuthbert's one of those players who, even when she, uh, you know, was was in a tough defensive challenge, was trying to do tricks and stuff to get out of it, uh, which I I think is is a part of the ethos of supporting this team. Yeah, and a hundred percent like. Chelsea have by far and away the best atmosphere in the WSL. Like, I know I'm biased, but it's just true. Kings Meadow, when it's full, you know, even if it's half full today, it's such an amazing ground, such amazing noise. And yeah, there are so many players in, in this team who feed off it. And it's great to see players like Benila Harder, who haven't had the opportunity to, to play in front of those fans yet, get to like really experience it. Because for me, that's what makes... Chelsea women specifically as a club really stand out, you know, across Europe in terms of how intensely and well supported it is. And it's just amazing to see those players getting to like really appreciate that again. And the club have done a phenomenal job with the ground as well. Um, you know, I think in, in making it kind of an atmospheric uh, ground, even though it's not the biggest 
stadium in the world. It's it's still really uh, unique and uh, yeah, I was just very very pleased for everyone who got to go today. But if if you're in the area and you're not going to watch this team uh, when they're at home, you're you're crazy. So uh, that is that is my one reprimand for all you folks who are not there today. But that's it. Um, we're gonna take a quick ad break and then we will be right back. Okay, a couple of reminders. Uh, this podcast is going to happen every week. So join us. That's the thing that you need to do. Uh, we're really excited about uh, increasing our women's coverage this year and making sure that this team gets the support it absolutely deserves. So if you could rate and review an Apple podcast, give a shout out to the women's team, call me some name if you want. That's totally fine with me. Uh, whatever gets you there and gets it done uh, is, is good. Uh, and then if you are interested in kind of deepening your relationship with this with this community that exists around the, the Chelsea women's team, our Patreon's a wonderful place to do that. There are dedicated threads or people who are up with me at 6.30 this morning watching this game and going crazy for the team. And so it, the dedication is real. So uh, if, if you're interested in that, you can do that too. But we got to get into a little bit of, of the redemption story, uh, right, Abdullah? I mean, this... This team suffered a bit of a setback last week. They got, you know, they got punched in the mouth um, by, a, by a team that is going to fight them all the way to, um, to the end of the season, most likely. So um, the fact that Emma Hayes did not go out and dramatically change everything, but made some tweaks, I think, is telling about her trust in these players and her trust in the system that it is going to be the right system, even if it's not necessarily perfect quite yet. Yeah, no, 100%. I think, um, you know, I think I think we said it in last week's episode that, you know, she came back and said, you know what, I'm not going to change the system because of one loss, uh, you know, albeit against Arsenal. And, you know, it's about the process. It's, and, and, and obviously she stuck with it. She's made a few changes. Obviously, I think she she understood that, you know, maybe getting um, Carter in the middle, you know, probably work better with Millie Bright, who's probably a little bit more positionally better than Carter, you know, out there. But, um, you know, and I think, I think, you know, overall, I think the defense looked a little bit better, but, you know, there's, there's one thing to, there's one thing to, to point out in the fact that, and I think, I think Jesse tweeted this, um, you know, around the game was that the defense will look great against most teams fourth and below, which is, which is going to be there just because of the quality of the league and the team that is there. So how do you then figure out whether this is the best three or there needs to be more changes when, you know, when, when the team that you're playing up against who's supposedly the fourth best in the league is conceding eight goals in two games. You know, that's, that's not a good sign uh, of a test. However, we can take positives from it. Like we said, I think Carter was great centrally. She made a few uh, good interceptions. Um, and I think the two wider center backs, I think were given a little bit more license to kind of, step up and, and kind of play in that area, whether it was defending or whether it was passing or whether it was doing any, any one of those sort of things. So I, I think the defense worked well. Um, and I think even, uh, even the two wingbacks, which was an odd pairing for me when I first saw the, uh, the lineup, but um, ultimately for, I think for this kind of game, it just worked out perfectly though. There were moments in between where I think uh, they, they did get, they did get uh, caught out a little bit. I mean, pick up on that point, Jesse. I mean, obviously, when we talked last week, you know, Chelsea starts the season is not easy um, by any means, right? I mean, this this was supposed to be a, a more stern test than Everton have given us in recent years. And, you know, you obviously made the tweet, so you can, you can talk about it with your own words. But, I mean, j maybe just discuss what you expected this game to be and maybe what 
there is still a little bit left to be desired from that Everton team, probably. Yeah, I think I felt like Everton would still have the opportunity to put Chelsea under pressure, maybe in the same way that Arsenal did. You know, they've got a number of very good wide players who can move very quickly into spaces. And there were points, especially when Tony Duggan came in, who where you maybe saw that kind of quick interplay with Anna Anvergaard or Claire Emsley um, look like it was maybe going to catch Chelsea out. So I don't think it was a total write-off in like testing out the defence. I do think it was, you know, testament to how well... Chelsea were able to keep control of the ball in particular. And, you know, like when we were looking at the Arsenal game last week, two of the goals Chelsea conceded came from quick balls from within Arsenal's own half. And that's how quickly they were able to like rip us open. And I just felt like we were a lot more compact. It didn't feel like those spaces were there, even if Everton were maybe able to play those balls, which they they were going to struggle with, to be fair. So it's always going to be tricky. You know, it, it is a perennial problem. How how do you, as I tweeted, stress test a defence against better opposition when you've only got the opportunity to play those teams? I mean, ultimately, you just have to hope that your defence gets better as it grows in confidence throughout the season as players get used to their position. You know, something we really picked out in that Arsenal game was, you know, players who hadn't played necessarily in this back three before players who were playing at wing back who had not played at wing back before you know those players will improve even against lesser teams in doing that and I think you've just got to ultimately hope that's enough um my one concern around the back three is is that we lose I think a lot of Magda Eriksson's distribution ability when she's kind of shunted out to left center back um in the second half, I thought we saw her get on the ball more. It felt like there was a conscious effort from Hayes to maybe shift the defence across a bit more, uh, like tilt it more to the right. So Magda came more central. But I think in the first half, that was a real loss. And when you saw us getting penned back quite a lot, you know, we really benefited from high turnovers and Everton's mistakes. But there were points where we were just penned back, passing between that back five. Um, and I think that is that is maybe an issue there as well. Yeah, that was something I wanted to discuss here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it right back to you. I mean, we have, you know, in two games shown uh, two different uh, sets of three, right? You know, where Carter was out on the right, and then she played centrally today, and I think looked a lot better. Um, now she didn't have nearly the threat that Miedema and Mead possessed in in this game to to face, but it still it showed a different side of her game that i think you know the, the distribution was was right and i think millie seemed a lot more comfortable um kind of attacking out on on the wing uh where cuthbert was as well and being able to provide support there but your point about magda is is one that i think is is often overlooked um a part of her game which is distribution is there a scenario, is there a back three where she could play that sweeper role and, and become the distributor? Or is, you know, just because she's left footed primarily that this is, you know, the left side is primarily going to be the place where she ends up in a back three? Yeah, I think it's partially that. And I think it's also because she is such a good 1v1 defender. And I think that Carter Bright switch came from, you know, the stuff that Carter is really good at is kind of reading the game, intercepting, uh, making blocks, that kind of stuff. And I think she is very, very good at that, but I don't think she is as good as the 1v1 stuff. We've, you know, we saw her last week basically get sat down by Medina. Whereas that's something that Millie Bright's very good at and Magda Eriksson's very good at. They're both very good at using their bodies to to show attackers to where they want them to go, to, to push them into, you know, lower opportunity 
um, places, even with Beth Mead's goal, you know, the way, um, you know, Beth Mead was being shown onto her left foot. That's why Anne Katrenberg was saying after the game, I, I didn't realise you had a left foot. Like, that's a fantastic strike from Beth Mead. But in some ways, that's a great example of what you should be doing if you've been put in that situation. So... I think that's the problem. That's why we'll always see Magda on that left side because she'll be there when there's the gap between the left wing back to to do that 1v1 defending against whoever is the, the right winger out there. But I do think it's a shame. But I did think it was really noticeable that in the first half there was a tilt that was rectified a bit more. So I think it is something that you can make more of within the game to kind of shift stuff up. I think the problem is, is that naturally if you have... Guruiten as your left wing back, she pushes up more, which tilts everyone around the other way uh, compared to Aaron Cuthbert, who's on your right side. If we play John Anderson at left wing back, I think you can start to move it back the other way and Magda starts to come tilted back into a more central position. And then I think you start to solve that distribution problem. Abdullah, do you agree with that? I mean, I wanted to kind of pass it to you on the on the wing backs because we had a little bit of a different configuration, but I think that both things kind of tie together, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it, it kind of, I think at the end of the day, it kind of depends on what Hayes wants from her back five, essentially, right? Do you want... I mean, I think, and I think that will come with the opposition, but do you want more of your wing backs, both say, for example, both wing backs to be pushing forward and becoming almost like a five up front? Or do you then want more distribution, say, from a Magda Erickson kind of, you know, uh, you know, you know, facilitating her move into a more central area? I think, I think it comes to that. I think against Everton, I think they knew that Everton would probably, after last week, want to sit back a little bit more than they than they would want to push forward. Maybe yes, they would try and high press with Anvergaard and and whoever else, Amsley and whoever else they started up front. But I think so. I think that's why we saw Cuthbert and and, and Wrighton start just so that because Case kind of knew all right if they are going to break, they're probably going to do it deeper rather than higher up than what Arsenal did. So I think it depends on it depends on the opposition. I, I'm pretty sure if it comes up against Man City, I don't think it's going to be as attacking. And I think that's where Jesse's point about Magda maybe coming in and kind of controlling possession in those deep areas where it's going to be more dangerous will come more into play. And then that's what possibly let, you know, Jan Anderson comes in, that shift towards the right-hand side with the Neem Charles or Aaron Cuthbert. I think that's where it could potentially come in. Um, but kind of on the on the point of the two wingbacks today, um, I kind of liked it. I think, I think, Casper, um, I think we've said here she's one. She had four tackles, one. No other Chelsea player, one more, and that's kind of where my whole idea of playing Cuthbert as like whether she's playing a right wing back or defensive midfield is just like this destroyer. Like we saw throughout the game, whether she was high up, whether she was deeper centrally, she was just in there making tackles, winning it back, and and kind of giving Chelsea those turnovers. You know, at different areas of the pitch, and I feel like there is nobody else in the team that can do that. She's possibly the only pro that sort of profile in the squad. And so I think she's going to be playing a huge role this season, regardless of whether she's playing a right wing back, central midfield, number 10. And um, I think Hayes is realizing that the fact that when she got moved to right wing back against Arsenal and made such a huge impact, had that cross with the assist, and obviously she scored. Um, I think it'll be there. Obviously, I don't know. I still worry about her positioning uh, discipline. I think that's still something that comes into comes into play. And I think if she is going to be playing against the bigger side, just more of a destroying threat, then I think she needs to learn how to probably read, you know, her her positioning and how when she has to go up and when she has to stay back. But I think there is a making of a sort of 
half wing back, half midfielder, you know, almost like a Joao Cancelo kind of type thing that Pep does, where he just kind of plays this like half back inverted fullback. And maybe Aaron Cuthbert becomes that 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 you know that that answer uh, over there. Jesse, do you do you agree? I mean, I think the the point that I would make on Cuthbert is I think she's by far been Chelsea's best player through these first two games, um, at least in my eyes. I think she came out and looked very intense today. Like she was, she was out there to, uh, to make some stuff happen. Um, maybe not a traditional right wing back, but has played in those wing positions before and probably has some more comfortability with that. Um, maybe instead of where Wrighton is on the other side, but is your, is your thought that this is a role that she can kind of make her own and, and own throughout the season? I'm not sure personally. Um, I thought she looked very good today, although there were points where I thought it was obvious that she wasn't a natural defender. That's normal. Um, I get the impression that she's an incredibly intelligent player. You know, whatever she's told her job is to do within the team, she always, you know, does that to a plum. And I think I've said before that, I think that's almost been to her detri- her career's detriment at points because she's almost so versatile. She she doesn't really ever nail down one position. I think my only worry with it as a long-term view is that she isn't a defender, you know? And I think we we tend to see, like, from the best wing-backs, um, even if they're more attacking-oriented, they still tend to be, like, originally defenders, and I think also there's an element of if it is a really long-term solution, it would be a bit of a waste of of what her talents are. You know, we see for that fourth goal, like the ferocity of that shot that she unleashed, you know. Smashed I think, it. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then obviously, you know, <laughs> Beth just gets to shin it in. But that to me, like really summed up why you want, Erin in and around the box and in games like today and in games against a large number of WSL opposition that's going to be fine because your wingbacks are going to be able to do that because there's more than enough cover that it doesn't have to matter but on a long-term view against the very top teams I still think it's it's not quite quite the right fit yeah no I know I, I 100% agree with that I don't think it's a I don't think it's an every single game top team no team solution I think it's something that if you need if you if you want your wingbacks to attack, like we said, if you want both of them to push forward, and then you want but someone with a little bit of bite, then yeah, Aaron Cuthbert's your, your answer. I think I think until Mielda comes back, it's just going to be rotation between uh, the wingbacks until she comes back, and then obviously she has to get back into rhythm and form and everything. But um, yeah, no, I hundred percent agree with Jesse. Where we're up front, where you know where, when she she's near the box and kind of playing around there, unbelievable, you know, an excellent player, and I think. And I think that's where we'll see her more than likely, at least if she is going to be playing in the bigger games, kind of use her as this pressing forward. Um, but I think, yeah, if, if you're playing against teams who are like Everton or Brighton or someone who's going to sit back, then you've got someone there who can break up play and give you an uh, attacking uh, uh, attacking threat. Well, uh, speaking of attacking threats, um, there were a couple of players today that added some, some real uh, verve to the team. So look, Kirby, Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr back in the fold today. Uh, look, uh, th- these two are just absurdly impressive. If you uh, watch any level of football, you just understand the telepathy between them is crazy. Uh, Frank Kirby with an absolute dime of a shot um, to, to start the scoring today off the post and in. And, it, you know, she meant every every inch of that one. Um, and then 
a little bit of rust for Sam Kerr, but gets a couple of goals, right? And and one's a really, really scrappy, uh, you know, turnover and play in a really terrible spot from Everton that is a gift. Uh, but, you know, we've seen Chelsea strikers in the past have no luck, so I'd rather they have all the luck personally. Uh, and then she puts the second one in uh, a great header uh, from a right and cross uh, later in the in the match that, you know, it kind of shows her, you know, dusting herself off a little bit and getting back in the game. So I guess I don't know where you guys want to start or if you have a player that you want to take, but I'll pass it over to Jesse. Take one of the two. Yeah, I'll talk about Fran because I just thought she was absolutely amazing today. I think in a team where there's been a number of players who've looked like they're just taking while to get into their rhythm and you know like Kerr was one of them we'll talk about her more in a bit I think but harder as much as I thought she had a really good performance today she still felt like another but Kirby is just consistently by far and away the most the best player on the pitch it doesn't matter how, it doesn't seem to matter how many minutes she has in her legs you know what her her touch is just always on point that there was a there was a flick on she did about 15 minutes in where like the ball gets played over the top and she just like back heel flicks it on for like Kerr to run onto. And I'm like, how are you doing this? You know, um, the the first goal was, you know, maybe a bit fortunate, um, but just a classic. It feels like a classic Kirby low XG shot that finds its way in and, and ends up looking amazing because because she takes those chances and she puts herself into into those positions and it just makes me so it still makes me so happy to see her back in a Chelsea shirt back playing and just running this team and that honestly that for me there is no one in the WSL who comes close to what Fran offers on the pitch what about Sam Abdullah I mean this this is a person who did come pretty close last year in terms of output but I think we all, you know, again, both both levels of expectation for these players is is about as high as you can get, right? Absolutely. I mean, without, um, I mean, they were probably the, you know, the the best strike duo. Um, if we just look at it in terms of goals and assists, and um, their the kind of interchange and their play together was was unbelievable last season. I think we're going to see more of that now, and kind of. Kirby is obviously in a league of her own, but Sam Kerr isn't, you know, one of the best strikers in the world, you know, for no reason. She, she, she scored 20 plus goals last year, if I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly. And, um, and she's been consistently doing that throughout her career. So I think the, the kind of telepathy and the connection that they both have is unbelievable. And yes, maybe it's, it's going to take Sam Kerr a little bit longer to kind of get back into it. She's, I think she's had a little bit of a longer holiday uh, than the rest of them, but I think once she's back on, back on, um, back on, back into it, I think it'll be unbelievable. And one more point is, it's 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 great to see that if one or two of them aren't at like the top top level, it's always the third one that just kind of fills in that gap. And when the other one's not there, some it's someone's always filling in the you know that performance level and making it as high as possible, which is which is great to see. And it kind of between themselves puts the pressure off each of them to say that all right even if i don't have the best game in the world i know that either fran or panela will do it or sam and you know fran will do it or panela and sam will do it so i think that that in itself is is a great kind of you know thing to have on uh, a couple of points a uh, sam kerr holiday uh, is a holiday that uh, will will likely uh likely set anybody back a little ways uh, based on the dream party. holiday some yeah. might say <laughs> yeah, so some might <laughs> and say it was- that 
And it was her birthday week this week. So, you know, maybe I'm it's sure just been a big couple of weeks for her, hasn't it? <laughs> no fun was had whatsoever. Uh, she she is uh, quite as a church mouse, as we all know. So uh, and, the, and the second point is is one that's really important. And we'll, we'll get into this, this third player here in a second. If you're facing Chelsea, it is the rarest of occasions where all three of those front players are not performing. Right. I mean, like you, you, you go in hoping that two of them aren't, you know, that's, that's like the maximum hope that you can have. But as you just illustrated, Abdullah, I think it's incredibly important to say that they just fire at all times. And if one doesn't, then the other likely helps them get back into it with the way that they pass to each other. So it's pretty impressive. I do want to throw in a quick um, note from Tom Gary, who obviously covers the league and is someone we've referenced before. Uh, Emma Hayes on the stat sheet uh, on the shots and shots on target perspective said, for the amount of shots that we had, it shouldn't be 4-0. We need to be more clinical. I'm happy happier with the clean sheet. And then he says, high standards. Yeah. And and by the way, she's right. I mean, there there is no... There's no reason that this shouldn't have been six, seven, eight today. I mean, the, there there were plenty of chances that just didn't quite connect, and and for whatever reason, I'm sure they're going to sort that out. Um, quick stat line on Fran: obviously, one goal, a casual nine key passes, four recoveries, 100% dribble success, 100% duels won. So she's not just attacking; she is she's getting into the mix for a little bit. She's just getting started. But I know I want to pass it to uh, Abdullah's uh, person. This is the person that he has quoted the most in the last couple of weeks, Pernilla Harder. Uh, his his entry for player of the match, which we'll get to in a little bit, and I think someone who, while she was not in the goals today, was super effective. So um, she's playing off the left wing. She's a lot more involved. She had an XG of 0.86, which was her highest ever, and didn't get one, which is a little weird, um, but that's okay. Uh, talk about uh, Pernilla Harder, uh, Abdullah, and, and Wax Poetic, my friend. Oh, man, like, it was a crazy game. I think this was just, you know, last week after, you know, she scored last week. Obviously, she scored her first goal of the season last week, but I think her performance wasn't as as good as, a, as an impactful as everybody thought it would be. And I think today she just almost had a point to prove and, you know, just kind of like, like Jesse said at the top of the show, like, you know, Hayes' revenge train, like, this is, this was Penny Lahada was, was on a mission. She just went out there from, from minute one, was like, I'm going to boss this game. I'm going to take it by, by the horns and I'm going to, I'm just, I'm going to make everything happen. And just the way she kind of then just kind of used the spaces and then it, you could then start seeing the, while it was again, rusty, the interchange and the chemistry between those three players up front was, was, was unbelievable. And I think there were, there were moments in the first half where she was un playable you could not get near i think those in the first 20 minutes where she had that mazy run into the box and she just dribbled past two three players like they weren't there and then obviously the shot was off target um and i think that's where Hayes's kind of annoyance with the team's attacking play of like not being clinical enough like they had everything before that and but um if this is penela hada finding her groove and kind of getting into the season then i think we're in for a massive season from her and i think this is this is the season where I think she really is going to show her true form. I mean, she was good last year, but I think we're going to see more from her in terms of goals, in terms of assists, because I think this this new three at the back system, if it is going to be persisted with, is going to 
facilitate and allow these this front three to to um, to just flourish even more than it did before because I think it means that they're gonna start playing with two number tens rather than playing in like this four four two or a four three three rather a little bit more space. I think this kind of allows the three of them to be closer together and kind of play more passing exchanges and, and just kind of make use of, uh, of of spaces created by each other. And and to follow on that, and I'll pass it over to Jesse. Uh, she's been wonderful uh, this this preseason. It's her first preseason with the team. You have to remember that. That's what Emma Hayes is saying of, of Pranilla. It's an adjustment. You can see that in the Everton players that have come in this year. Pranilla settled. Her role is clear. Her understanding of what this league is is clear. I really look forward to seeing her best this year. What she doesn't get credit for is her work rate. The volume of running she does is unbelievable. So I think that kind of speaks to that point, Jesse, that she's not just someone who scores and and doesn't do any other work on the field. Yeah, definitely not. And I think that's something that was missed a lot in discussions of her last year, especially when she was playing in that, you know, kind of tip of the diamond number 10 role behind Kirby as a two. But I think, you know, she has actually been the biggest beneficiary of this switch to the back three. And I think, you know, when we've spoken about it, we've talked a lot about how it's been done perhaps because Chelsea don't have the fullbacks there. But I do think the way it allows Panila Harder to play as kind of an inside left forward is a really crucial element of why Hayes has gone with it. And I think why Hayes will stick with it because I think you just see today, you know, like that stat about her having a highest XG that she'd have had in a WSL game. She felt so much closer to Kerr and Kirby than she did in any game last year. And the way that she was able to still drift across. And what I felt was really noticeable is if you look at Harder's, shot map from last year lots of the shots she takes are from the edge of the penalty area and she's great from shooting around there but today what I felt was really noticeable and her xg kind of speaks to this is she was taking those shots from inside the area from around the six yard box and that's great that's when you're really adding like another genuine goal threat to Kerr and Kirby and I think that freedom that that inside left role offers her is is going to be really crucial and is really exciting I think that was like what stood out to me the most today, I think, from a tactical perspective at least, of how much more involved she looked, not just in the attacking build-up play, but in, you know, when Fran was, say, picking up the ball on the right, Sam was making a run through the middle and Panila would be coming across from the left and it felt like Fran then had two options, whereas last season it just felt like because Panila Harder was a little bit further back, it was only ever the through ball to Sam. And, you know, nine times out of ten, Fran's going to make that through ball to Sam anyway. But if you give her if you give her the second option and if you make defenders think there's a second option rather than just tracking Sam Kerr, that's scary. That's really, really scary. Well, and that second option is one of the best players in the world. So, uh, you know, it's like <laughs> you're, the embarrassment of riches really comes into play when you consider that. Uh, it's it's funny. I, I also thought, and I, don't, I don't know if you guys uh, saw this as well, the the runs were not just those in in the goal scoring kind of moves, but I think also the way that her and and Girl Wrighton were a little bit more connected today made sense to me. It seemed a lot more fluid. It seemed like they knew where the other was going to be. When Everton would occasionally get a little bit of a press on, they were able to kind of break out of it and make a uh, little space for each other, uh, which I thought was good because. You know, it's one of the the noticeable things from the Arsenal match is that that girl Wrighton is not necessarily a, a left wing back by 
by nature, right? So she's she's playing a little bit of a different role, and it allowed a lot more space for her to cross the ball today too. Um, we obviously led to to Kerr's second goal, but um, you know you saw that Harder was taking defenders away and freeing up space for that wand of a left foot to put in some really great balls, and so. I mean, there's a lot of really. Po- I know we I, we open the show talking about the adjustments defensively and like all those stuff that needs to happen there for it to be perfect. But there's a lot of really positive stuff that's happening on the other end of the the pitch as well. And you know, again, if you're if you're looking at this team and understanding that Cuthbert and and Wrighton were uh, were really contributing today, like that's it's just massive for this team. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to cover off on from the attack that I missed? No, I think, I think that's pretty much kind of everything. I mean, it was just, I mean, overall, just a splendid performance going forward. And, uh, you know, we can, I I think we can probably see this front five, you want to call it, including the wing backs. I think that can flourish against, uh, most teams, you know, as the middle and bottom of the league. I think one thing I would just add is that it was really nice to see Beth come off the bench and get a goal. I know she didn't necessarily know much about it, but we know she had a tough season last year, but she was actually still like incredibly productive compared to a number of forwards in the league. Um, And I think it's just great to have someone who, you know, I think we're realistic that her role is now as backup striker. I don't think we're going to see... Emma experiment with playing all four the way she did at points last season. But I mean, that's an amazing backup striker to to have on the bench. It's been great to see her get an England call up. I just hope it gives her like confidence that when she is coming on for those 15, 20 minutes, you know, when she does get starts probably in the, you know, Conti Cup or whatever, that she can really show like what she's still got and really offer. I think she's got a lot to offer this team, even in that slightly different backup role. There are a lot of matches to play. I'm sure she, she's going to get her time. And again, a little bit of luck goes a long way. There are a couple of lucky goals today, but I mean, for players that, you know, a, a tinge of luck can make all the difference in the world. I think that's, that's really great. Uh, let's take a look at a couple of other changes and then, and then obviously we're going to take a look at the, the lead table and the schedule, uh, look at ahead. But, uh, the last one that I think, um, I wanted to touch on was, was Ingle for, for Leupels. Um, it, who wants to take this one? I, I thought there was a lot more stability in the midfield today, just based on the performance. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 <laughs> I'm there. No, I'm there. Um, yeah, I'm surprisingly, it was, um, I don't know if it was surprisingly or unsurprisingly, but, you know, Ingle coming in just kind of almost settled, um, settled the team. I think, uh, while I think she is the most defensively minded player that Chelsea have in, in the midfield. Um, uh, but I think she just, I think, I think she just offered so much more ball control in those deep areas. And I think her positioning was, was was excellent. There were there were a couple of moments in the in the first half and then probably near the beginning of the game when Everton had a little bit of a foothold where they were getting players in behind. Um, but I think besides those couple of points, uh, it, it was it was more so the fact that I think they were able to keep possession better in those deeper areas. I think while Everton were pressing, I think Ingle with along with G allowed for better ball control, better ball possession and recycling in those areas, which I think contributed to the defensive solidarity of the, of, you know, of when they were playing, because 
obviously against Arsenal, they were just not able to keep a hold of the ball properly and kind of keep it um, keep it moving. But um, in this game, it was like, yes, there were some dangerous players going forward for Everton. And, you know, Emsley had a, had a good 15, 20 minutes. And Andergaard was pressing a lot in the beginning. But I think Ingle just had such a masterful control of the ball that I think it just kind of, everyone around her was just like, all right, we're at ease. Ingle has the ball. We know she's not going to lose it. And then they could kind of, you know, play their natural game uh, almost. Yeah, I think one thing that I also thought was interesting was, and we saw this uh, in in bits against Arsenal last week, was that actually G was the one who was dropping back as the deeper of the two. And you saw Ingle going and kind of contributing to that high press. And I thought that was quite, you know, an interesting way we've talked, uh, you know, in the past about how, you know, G So Yun's role might change at Chelsea, you know, She's not getting any younger. You've got harder playing in, in very similar positions at points. And I thought it was quite interesting to see Ingle maybe offering robuster defensive options slightly higher up the pitch, but with G there to offer that creativity actually to, to that back line. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how that develops between all three of those those players, G, Ingle and Leupold, over the season. Excellent points. Uh, look, guys, we, we had a lot of excellent performances today. There is just no doubt about that. So the player of the match uh, in our in our Twitter poll that we put out was hotly contested in, in the WhatsApp group before uh, before we got there. So, look, uh, in, in fourth place, unfortunately, G with 9.4% didn't quite get the love that, that she probably deserved from this match. Uh, Cuthbert similarly uh, with 20.7%. Harder with 23.3%. Sam Kerr runs away with our player of the match on Twitter, 46.6%. Uh, is Sam Kerr any one of our top performers from this match? Uh, go, Abdullah. Yeah, I, I kind of want to say no, because I feel like in any other game, two goals earns you a man of the match performance, but our player of the match performance. But I think there were so many good performances in this game that were just better overall that I don't think, I, I think Kerr is almost unlucky to be missing out on, on player of the match when you had so many other uh, good performances overall. You could literally pick out like five, six players and just say, you could win it, you could win it, you could win it, you could win it. So you went with Pernilla Harder as yours, right? That would have been your vote? Yeah, I went with Pernilla Harder. I think you know, for for a player who's just coming back into, you know, she scored a goal last week, but not the greatest performance. But this week, I think she was outstanding. You know, like I said, uh, there were parts where she was absolutely unplayable. Um, and 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 I think this this left sided number ten position for me is 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 not only benefiting her to to be better. I think whoever plays left wing back, whether it's Anderson, whether it's Wrighton. Is going to have a, a great time because she's going to create so much space for these players to go wide and provide a crossing a different crossing angle that you know she's she's benefiting two three players and not only herself and usually in these situations you're like well you know when you're benefiting other players you kind of get locked out of it but she's equally having a better time in this 10 role than she is you know at the same time so for me Penilla Harder takes it all the way yeah I have to agree I thought harder was the standout was the standout player today I think just because as I as I kind of touched on you know the way I feel like her roles changed a bit this season and I think you saw her really enjoying that you know and and really really taking on that freedom I think on another day she could easily have scored a hat trick from from the chance she created but I think last season it didn't even feel like those chances were 
available to her where she was. And I just think it's really exciting to see her getting on the ball, creating that space, pulling defenders out of position. And I think it it really spoke to the fact that she's going to have a great season. I, I went with Erin Cuthbert. I loved watching her out there today. I thought she was wonderful. Uh, obviously, very unlucky to not score an absolute net ripper um, in, in kind of the final stages of the game. But her intensity and her willingness to make runs and to put in great crosses, I think, was was noticeable. And I think it would have been hard to pick out a defender today. I think Jess Carter got a little bit overlooked because Everton didn't really offer a whole lot to the game, uh, frankly. But uh, she was also someone on the list, uh, as well as Frank Kirby. So... Uh, look, we're going to read out the table here uh, after after a couple of weeks. We have to note that currently Manchester City are up on Spurs 1-0, I believe. So they're, uh, you know, if you had to place bets, there was there's probably a good chance they, they take the points out of that one. Uh, but as it stands right now, uh, Brighton, just as we all predicted at the start of the season, uh, Brighton are top of the table uh, on six points with a plus seven goal differential. Uh, Arsenal women uh, squeaked one out today with a four nil win. Uh, so they're they're also on six points with a plus five goal diff. Uh, United uh, continuing a strong start with a plus four goal differential on six points. And then in in our grouping, you know, City will likely advance. Um, you know, the right now they're a plus five and they'll, they'll likely get those points today. But then it's Villa on on four points with a plus one goal diff and then Chelsea um sitting uh in sixth right now with a plus three goal differential thanks to today's win and and last week's loss so Spurs West Ham Leicester Birmingham City Reading and Everton uh tough start for Everton minus eight goal differential they're going to have to get those back in a hurry uh but look the 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 thing that will likely piss us all off (laughs) is that there's an international break coming up after two games of the season, which is a disaster uh, across the board. But Chelsea, because we have a ton of talent in the team, uh, will likely have a huge amount of players uh, called up. Uh, we're, we're, you know, a majority of the squad is going to be going away. Um, England call-ups for Carter in England, which is great. Uh, love to see that. And then after we get back, uh, which is in a couple weeks' time, Sunday, September 26th, Manchester United away. So the, just no scheduling favors here, Jesse. Uh, what what the hell is this? Yeah, talk about a tough start to the season. Um, I think, you know, looking at Manchester United, I've been pretty impressed with how they started the season. They, they've started better than I expected, although I will say I think they are still quite vulnerable defensively. I hope that we will have enough to to take that win, and, and I think we probably will, but obviously we drew 1-1 there in the opener last day of the, uh, last season, and that was a bit of um, a frustrating game then, so I think it's always stressful. You know, if I was going to say anyone who had as good as fans Chelsea United, they they go hard as well, to be fair. So a trip to the Lee Sports Village, uh, it's geographically a nightmare to, to go to and I think probably to play there as well. Abdullah, what are your thoughts on, on the international break and then coming back? We have United and then a bunch of matches right in a row. So we have United on the 26th of September, Birmingham City on uh, in the FA Cup uh, quarterfinal on the 29th. So just a couple days later. Uh, and that's away as well. 
And then we're back at home in the league against Brighton, top of the table, Brighton, uh, on October 2nd, right after that. So what are your thoughts on, on the schedule? That's a, that's a crazy schedule, considering in the span of a week, we're playing three games and we're not even in, you know, the the, 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 Christmas, the Christmas fixture list that we normally mm. have through a game every two days. So it's a, it's a great start. But hey, this is the reason why Chelsea have such a deep squad with a lot of depth. And I think this is where we talked about in the season preview show that that depth needs to come more into play this year than it ever has because things like this where you're going to be playing a game every two, three days, and especially away trips for the first two games, I, I think it's it's imperative. So someone like a Beth England who came on today, like Jesse said, gets a goal, confidence goes up. You know, someone like her could start, you know, the FA Cup quarterfinal game, for example. You know, you can have your, your right, Anderson can come back and she's relatively fresh, having not played much club football. Um and you've got uh, Neem Charles still there, and you are new and it's a good chance to bet in new in one a competitive game. So uh, from the start, so I think I think that squad depth and rotation is is going to help a lot. And then who knows? I mean, we don't know, but maybe Lauren James is fit by that point and maybe able to play 15, 20 minutes and just kind of get her her season started with Chelsea. Well, it's, uh, as as we always do on on our other shows, let's knock on wood for no injuries during the international break because. There's nothing that'll take the wind out of your sails more than that. But any final thoughts as we kind of wrap this one up? Obviously, an impressive day out for Chelsea. Kind of feels like a return to normalcy a little bit with with fans at Kings Meadow. Is there anybody else that you guys want to call out or things that you want to look forward to? I think for me today just reminded me of, you know, Emma said it after the, well, actually, no, pre-match, I think, today that everyone puts a lot of focus on on the first game. But it's a long, old season. And I think it was easy to to kind of, feel rubbish about losing to Arsenal on the opener, but seeing us really, it felt like back to normal, you know, backfiring on all fronts. And, you know, as we've kind of said, with what we feel is more to come, you know, there were disappointing aspects of today. That just made me feel like it was like getting into a nice WSL bath. You know, I felt like before (laughs) I was in a cold shower of the WSL and now, you know, I'm soaking and I'm feeling good. Well, that's that's our graphic idea sorted then. Uh, Abdullah, what about you? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was a overall. I, I think I think the attacking play, as we saw last season, is just in full flow and it's only going to get better. Uh, and I think um, as as this goes on, I think will the the team will um, will just will just start getting better and better and better. My only concern is going to be on on that midfield and defense, but I think with time. Playing the system, uh, playing through at the back, I think the defenders will start to get used to the movements and the patterns. And once that happens, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how they adapt. And maybe, who knows, maybe playing an Ingle G or an Ingle Leupold's kind of, you know, double pivot in the middle is more than enough because the back three can then just kind of compensate and cover for each other. You know, one steps into midfield, it kind of becomes a three. So those tactical ideas could come into it once they get used to the system. And that's, Maybe playing three games in, in a week is gonna just only gonna help that, right? So yeah, that's that's my thoughts. Trial by fire coming up for sure. <laughs> um, we will have coverage for you throughout the international break. Don't you worry about that. Um, but until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.